0: The yeshiva.net. Okay, good morning everybody. Afrelikin ba'emer to one and all. We'll continue inside. The line starts Makifim 198, column one, or Tsadik Test, column three. After a bracket, a long bracket. We're holding Valachai Nema bedavid. 18 lines up. Thank you, Rabbi Moshe. In the brackets. It was a long footnote about Nasa and Nishma, about the first parish of Kriyashma, the second parish of Kriyashma, about Loisasa versus Asse, and about why Yitzchak gave the Brachas in a way that were beyond what seemed like without his Das, or beyond his Das similar to Shikha which is Shaloy dateno. He spoke about the two crowns, Nasa and Nishma, which represent the two dimensions of Keser. That's why there's two crowns, snake Ksar, why there's two crowns, two levels of Keser. And that's the difference of Nasa and Nishma. Nishma is, we will listen, but then there's Nasa, which is even deeper, the bitl of the das also. And that's Igdimu, because it's rooted in the kadmin. In the source of everything. And that's really oisin rutsayinah shalmakam. Accessing the ultimate rutsayinah. Raiva, the chal And that's why the second parish is called icing rutsayinah shalmakam. Because one is not, it's missing that element. In the brackets, I didn't finish. I'll just do one more line there. He speaks about the brachas that came from Yitzchok beyond Das. Right, i write, uh, a few lines before the end of the brackets. The source of these brachas is what's called the expression is "du" that flows from Atik. The tal tala, is like "du," the notive that trickles that flows. Notef is it. It flows down. Mayatik The Amatik. Zehosh HaKosav This is what it says in Medrash. Re'ach B'gadav. Re'ach B'gadav. It's a very short line here, but very deep. It says that when Yaakov came in to Yitzchak, V'yorach Es Re'ach He smelled the aroma of his clothes and he said, Re'e Re'ach oh, B'ni. Ah, observe experience the aroma of my son. It's like the f- smell of a field that God blessed. The Medrash Rabbah says on the words, In a Sefer Torah there's no Nikudus. There's no vowels. We have a tradition how to pronounce it. But the fact is you could pronounce many words in different ways. And the fact that you could pronounce them in different ways means that that's part of the interpretation of the text. In other words, we often don't realize this, every possible way to read a word is actually a way to read a word. Because you're dealing here with infinity, infinite wisdom. So every possibility (laughs) that exists in the text is part of the text. That's why the Chazal will often do this. Al-Tikrib Gadov, el I can read, he smelled the reyach of his clothes. But that's because I choose to read it b'gadav. That's our tradition. And the is there's no nekudas. There's another way of reading it. Reyach b'gadav. You know what a boged is? A, a traitor. In Yiddish, it's called afalater. Boged is somebody who betrays. Huh? No, no, that's a muster. A boiged, yeah, bgida It's betrayal. Somebody who betrays his country, somebody who betrays his, his, his spouse, somebody who betrays his family, somebody who betrays his company, it's just a bagged, right? Yeah. It's treason. Treason is an act of baguette. So Yitzchak smelled, not the smell of his clothes, the smell of his traitors, of his bogdim. And he said, ah, look at the smell. What's going on? Why, why are you so impressed with baggedim? What are you so impressed? But but, but traders are not you thank you so much traders are not usually seen in a in, in a good light. This is almost like why he's giving him the blessings. So the Balatanya teaches chuva reach lavushim. There's two things happening simultaneously. On a level of das, what he observes is garments. That levushim? What's levushim? Lavushim is makif ha-karif. On a deeper level, he's observing boigdav those who betray the the traitors of Kalali Yisrael, who open up the path of Truva, because through their begida they can ultimately transform themselves. This is a much higher place. That's what Yitzchak smelled. It's, it's, it's both. He says, it's yeah. He has told him, me. No, no, Gamkin he meant, we spoke before about uh and Nishma, and then Atik and Shnei Sarim. So this explains another dimension where we see this playing itself out in Yiddishkeit. Just like we spoke before about it? Here he's adding, that's the Re'ach Boigdav. It's a different smell. Now you wouldn't think this aroma is pleasant, but essentially what the Medrash is saying, that from the Boigdav of Klal Yisrael, he understood why you should bless Yaakov. In other words, the reason, the greatest incentive to bless Yaakov is when he smelled the smell of the Begidim. Those who are the furthest away. Those who are the greatest traitors. But deep down, there's still a very deep connection. And essentially, the Begidah will only lead to Tshuva. That's what we discussed at length yesterday. Okay. So even pre... This was the premiers. Ah, huh? What? The bracha itself, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you're saying the bracha itself empowers them, yeah. Boged. You never heard the word?
1: Uh,
0: when Yaakov came in, he smelled the reich of the boignim of Klal Yisrael. The Medrash brings two examples... A man named, uh, Yosef Meshissa. And a man, another man named Yakumich Tsredis. Yosef, the Medrash tells two stories about two people to describe Boigdem. Medrash Rabin told us. There was a man named Yosef Meshissa. He was a Roman accomplice. He liked, he dealt, he was buddy-buddy with the Romans. In other words, he went onto the enemy side because that's where the, you know, you got to follow the trail of the money and the power usually to see why he went. So he went. When they came to this Besam Mikdash, they needed a tour guide to be able to show them Vastutzach in the Besam. It was a complicated structure. So they needed somebody on the inside to give them a tour of this, this, this. So who did they get? They got Yosef Meshissa. He was the tour guide for the Romans to show every room and everything and where this is and this is put and this is put. You know, you need somebody on the inside in the bank. You know, when you rob a bank, you need somebody who tells you, you know, where all the safes are and how to get into the... Yosef Meshisa was a Jew. He knew the Beis HaMiknish. They told him that there's going to be a reward for it. They're going to reward him nicely. So um, he took them in. And he showed them around, etc. They said, what do you want for a reward? He said, he wants the he the Midnighter. He wants to take the meneidah. It's like a lost costume. It was a nice piece. So they said, the meneidah not. They're not going to give him the meneidah. He should go in. He takes out the meneidah. They tell him, ain't darko yishel hediyat li'shtamash You're a peasant at the end of the day, you know. You're a dirty Jew. You don't use this. This is not for you. Go in a second time and take out something else. He said, no, I'm not going in a second time. I'm not going in again. So They told him, we will give you the revenue of taxes for three years. The revenue that we collect for three years from the taxes, I assume in Judea. I don't think in the whole Roman Empire, but in Judea, the three years we will give you. He said, no, no. Go in, get something. No. They said, why? So he said, I quote, I made my God angry once. You want me to make him angry a second time? To go in again? And the, the Medrash continues that they murdered him. They killed him. And he was screaming, This is the story. The Medrash says, this is what Yitzchak smelled. When uh, Yaakov came, then this is the Boigdim, the traitors of Kalal Yisrael. This was a traitor. This was the traitor of the Jewish people. The second story is a man named Yaakov Ishtzreides. He was a nephew of Rabbi Yoisi ben Yo'ezer Ishtzreide. We have him in Pekayav as the first chapter. In other words, much earlier in Baishé. He would go horseback riding on Shabbos. And the Gemara says the the Medrash says he had a whole conversation with Yosem ben Yezir and he was again a traitor of the Jewish people and something got to him at the end and he was Mekayim on himself it's a skill and for Herak Khanak in detail what he did to himself and Rabbi Yosem ben said that he came to Ganadin before him this nephew of his who was one of the worst came to Ganadin before him what's the Medrash trying to bring out from all these things? That when you see, where do you see the Jew? It's a very deep idea. Where do you see the real Jew? You don't see always the real Jew in the Jew who is Jewish. Because he's Jewish. In every religion you have people who are dedicated to their faith. Where you see the Jew is the Jew who, for all practical purposes, is completely not Jewish. Is alienated from Judaism on every level. And nonetheless, he's still Jewish. Which means that the connection is not one of das. You have in every philosophy, and every religion, people who dedicate their whole lives to this religion or philosophy, whether it's right or wrong, whether they're, they're they're erring or they're not erring, or they're partly erring, whatever it is, and they're ready to give up their lives for it. Mm-hmm. By Jews, you saw a chidush in history that there were people, Adhayoy Mazah, Daniel Pearl. You don't have to go so far. Unfortunately, we don't have to go far. Daniel Pearl was married to a non-Jew, to a Korean woman or an Asian. What were his last words? I'm a Jew. My father's a Jew. My mother's a Jew. I'm a Jew. Before the Islamist murderers did what they did to him. Yeah. You had it in the Holocaust many times. People, their entire life, they're disconnected. So suddenly, what, you discovered something Now? Mainly you have Tzadikim, Rebes, Mekobolim, Kedoshim, Erlechid, their whole life they're dedicated to God till death. You have people their whole life, they laughed from it. (laughs) They mocked, they were seen as the the Deboigdim. That's who Yaakov smelled. That means the relationship is not one that's defined by consciousness and experience. It means it's rooted in a place that's even beyond Makif, Beyond Ratzin even. I don't know about Ratzin. Where is it? But but suddenly you're the biggest Jew in the you're, you're the greatest Jew in the world. Suddenly you stand up to the Roman Empire and you say, I'm going into the Base Mikdash again? Never. Are you are you what happened suddenly? There's a beautiful word from the Ponoviger of, of Kahnman, Shlema Yosef Kahnman was the Ponoviger He was the Rav of Ponovich in Lithuania before the war. And then he his family was killed, he was saved, he lived in Eritral. He was a very special man. He once had over the Madrash, And he said, what happened, Hakech? What happened? He, he went in as a tour guide, and he was ready to steal the Menorah. And then suddenly, so the said, he went into the Beis HaMikdash. He went into the Beis HaMikdash. He was a changed man. He came out, he was a changed person. He went into the Beis HaMikdash. He went into a place of Kedusha. There's an expression in Halach in Yeridea. Min biminai." When you meet your, uh, your counterpart, it triggers things that have never been triggered. Both in the negative and in the positive. He went into the Beisam But He apparently knew Beisam Miktosh. He was
1: there
0: once, Or he knew, or they thought he knew. Yeah, I said before he knew. I, it doesn't say in the Medrash, but I guess they, they, they chose him because, uh, or it could be helped, he, it could be that he helped him in other areas. Helped him, he helped him in other areas. He so said, this was the reward, go in and take. He went in, he wanted the Menaida, he came out, he said, he's not going in again. Because the lesson of the Medrash is, the way it, the way he puts it is, that when the enemies wanted to go into Harabayas, they said, let the Jew go in first. They chose him to go in first. And they said, go in and whatever you take out is yours. So he took out the midnight and they didn't want to let him and then he refused to go in again. There was a Jew, a German Jew, his name was Franz Rosenzweig. You ever heard the name? Franz Rosenzweig. Franz Rosenzweig was an intellectual, an academic. He lived in the early 1900s. Brilliant, brilliant Jew. And like so many German Jews, completely, completely assimilated and alienated from Judaism. And he was a well-known scholar in Germany, Rosenzweig. He decided to convert to Christianity, which was very, very common in the 1800s, especially. There were certain cities in Germany that 40 Berlin, I think 40 percent of Jews converted with, with with volitionally, not with not by force. This is the, the 1800s. It was an opportunity for career, opportunity for integration. It didn't come from deep theology. It just came from uh, practical purposes, like like assimilation in America. Like intermarriage in America. Huh?
1: Didn't Reform Judaism start in Germany?
0: In Germany, yeah. yeah. That's earlier. Yeah. In the late 1700s, early 1800s. That was the beginning, yeah. That was the beginning of the end. So, he had a cousin, Rosenzweig. And he, he had a, a letter exchange. And the cousin writes to him that uh, before you convert, you should first just get a taste of Judaism. Just see, you know see where you come from, and then you leave, you know, say one last goodbye to mommy, and then you leave. So he said, it's not a good idea. It was Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur was coming. So the Amayis Shohaya. we know the story from Franz Rosenzweig, there was a Belzer Stiebel, a little shul of Belzer Chassidim in Berlin, and he went there the night of Yom Kippur, for Kol Nidre. He went there. He he davened with them. He just stayed. He went. He came back the next day Yom Kippur, and after Yom Kippur, he wrote to his cousin that uh, he's not converting anymore. And he became a very he became he became a serious Jew. He started to learn. He came close to Yiddishkeit. Instead, he wrote a whole commentary in German on Chumash and many other books on Judaism and Jewish philosophy in his own style. He passed away young, I think, in 1927. What happened over there? Then he went in, what happened over there? What happened was, it was not a big lecture or debate, it was a Kalnidri night. What happened was, he felt Kedusha. He never felt Kedusha before. His inner core, what we call the Makif Lamakif, the Peneme Yisakaser, the Boyged, it emerged, it triggered something. And it's not something he could necessarily explain rationally that before he had a question, now the question was answered. Sometimes it's not on that level. It's on a completely different level. But he experienced something at his core that he knew that everything else would be the greatest betrayal of his own self. That's what Yitzchak smelled. That's in a way something that the boygid represents that the tzaddik doesn't have. Not that the boygid is... Uh, <laughs> better than the tzaddik. But the tzaddik is, is involved in the program. The baygid is not involved in the program. He's fighting the program. But Yitzchak smelled what's, what's deep, what's deep inside. And that's what brings him to give the bracha. And that's what he says. This begadov represents levushim. That's makif hakarev. Boygadov represents makif harachek, which is beyond levushim. And those brachas that came beyond the das of yitzchak, connected to that place of the Jew, which is Lamaila Lomadaz. That's the connection between the two things. And that's the Kreyach that comes from the Baygit because of Pnimius. chuva means returning, returning to who? Returning to your own true self, to your own core. That's what Yitzchak smells. Say to reveal the So to speak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. is connected to Makif ha-hirachik. Yeah. There's a Zavart from the Chidusha Harim, the first Geri Rebbe, he has very short lines. He has it's, uh, maybe three, four lines, I don't know, two, three lines. Again, the has told us. So he says a, a very powerful insight. I'm elaborating a little, just the way I understood it, but the nucleus comes from the Khidush Harim. He says that why did Rivka have to deceive Yitzchak? Why couldn't she just tell him? Like we said, Rabbi Yitzchak, you know, Esav is not such a... <laughs> he's not as sweet as he looks. He's not as holy as he looks. I know him a little better than you. And uh, <laughs> at night he's involved in not such nice things. Trust me, Yaakov is the man. Again, And as we said, if you don't believe me, you have God. You can ask God. You'll see whose side he'll take. I mean, the women knew who was right. Sarinu and Rifke knew. No, she had to do it this way. So the Chidush Hashirim says as follows. It's Hashem uh, <laughs> He says, Rivka could have done that. And Yitzhak would have agreed. There wouldn't have been a problem. And Yitzchak would have told Yaakov, go, I'll give you the brachas. And what would Yaakov have Yaakov done? You're going to get the brachas of Yitzchak? Yeah. Yaakov would go to the mikveh. Yeah. He would say, Tehillim. <laughs> Maybe learn through Shas. <laughs> he would prepare. He would say, L'Shem Yichud. He would put on his strimal and his uh, his frak and his gartel. Yeah, And he would walk into to, to Yitzchak to receive the brachas. Huh? Etc. And Yitzchok would give him the brachas. And the Chidush says says, but Rivka knew that one day there are going to be Jews who <laughs> will be very different. If she would have arranged what she wanted to arrange, who would have received the bracha? A Yaakov who looks like Yaakov. But there's gonna be many Yaakovs who look like Asafs. They would be excluded from the blessing. So the Yiddish Imam, the ultimate Jewish mother who has long-term vision of history, knew that there's gonna be a generation, and which generation understands this better than our generation, that maybe most Jews will be Yaakov, but externally they themselves won't know that they're Yaakov. If they're judging themselves based on their clothes, based on their outer performance or demeanor or disposition or social life or language or lifestyle, they're not connected. Rivka needed them to get the brach. Externally they look like Esau. And they may even like that. It may be a great accomplishment. So Rivka needed Yaakov to be dressed up like Esau. That's the Jew who's getting the blessing. And what was the blessing? V'yitin mital. So he says that's what Tal. Tal is Tal the Nat Matika. The Gumbra says, Vitl khalla kimatala shamayam. It's also my medrish. Which is uh, Tal is do, which represents that. The Gemoris says, the Gomorrah says the difference between do and rain. That do never uh, dew do doesn't end. Tal loy Metzer. Okay, I'll say for my written So he says metalah shemayim is mikra mishmana yarets is mishnah roev dagan v'sirish is brisa gemara. Yaakov wasn't just blessing him with dew and fat. And the gemini says he was blessing him with mikra and chum tanach and mishnah and medrash and gemara and brisa. He goes through all the psukim. So Rivka said, who who does who gets this blessing? Judaism doesn't believe in Darwinism's survival of the fittest. Survival of the fittest means that in natural selection, those who are fitted best to survive in the climate will survive. To use contemporary language, Judaism doesn't believe that the survival of Judaism exists only for the Jew, who is the fittest to do it, meaning the Jew who's entrenched in Judaism, and that that jewel survive. Rivka understood that that's not the way it works. But, for this, she had to dress up Yaakov Avino. That's, what did he smell? Yitzchak smelled, who did he smell? He smelled reyach boigdov. Boigdov are those who appear like Esav. And that's who he gave the bracha to, and that's what touched him. Reyach Re'ach, B'ni, look at this aroma. That's the Kaya which is rooted in a place Lamailam and Hadass. That's the connection to everything we've been speaking about. How would that answer the fact that if Yaakov looked like Yaakov,
1: there was still the power of tshuva instinct in him? In other words, the boga, the traitorness, the the externality, isn't it? I don't understand. The power of tshuva exists in every.
0: Of course, but Yaakov didn't have to do tshuva. Ishtam, he he was there.
1: In other words, it's to bring out
0: that potential. That potential, exactly. To bring out the potential in the one who looks like a boygot, Yeah. Yeah. When I moved to Muncie, somebody told me that, uh, he was talking to me about his brother, so he said, my brother is a goy. My brother is a goy. So in my naivete, I thought he means literally. So I started to think, this is interesting, it's like a real Hasidish family, it was a second marriage, like, I'm just trying... I'm trying to figure out how his brother is a guy. Like, I'm I'm just making this whole thing in my mind. So I said, "Wow, your father went through some journey, or your mother? Like, what? Uh, you know, because this was like a serious, serious guy. It doesn't look like there was an intermarriage in the family." She's, so huh? She <laughs> so says, my my brother's a guy, a guy." I said, "What? There was conversion? Like what?" Till I figured out that in the culture where he came from, if somebody didn't. Uh, Live according to the certain standards. He's actually called a goy. I never heard that before. It was a big chiddush for me. It was a big chiddush, a big chiddush. <laughs> because the the of teres tev, One one of the of teres was this Nakuda, that uh, what he's bringing out here the reyach boigdov. That fakert. Sometimes the Jew you see in that Jew more than any, everybody else because lecha'odeh he's so far and yet there's a closeness, huh? Yeah. So it was a, it was a psachidish. When when somebody calls a Jew who's secular a goy, it's not just not true. It means that they don't understand what a Jew is even when it comes to them. They don't understand the niqud of a yid. By them the niqud of a yid is I dress a certain way. I do certain things, which are all amazing and beautiful. But he doesn't understand the niqud of what a Jew is.
1: What, what ah, Lavush stops at
0: lavush, <laughs> yeah. or even, or even, even if he's talking more than lavush. But for lachenem are be David, for lachenem are David. That's why the pasuk says when it comes to David, va hakim Mosi lach bias neman in Shmuel. The Pesach says about David HaMelech, Hashem promises, I will establish for you a Bayis Nemon, a faithful, enduring home. Shmuel Aleph, pedek Aleph, and a few times in Shmuel Melachim, Hashem describes the Malchus of David, it's going to be a Bayis Nemon, a faithful, enduring home, a lasting home, Bayis Nemon. Hare Malchus B'Shem Bayis. The way he describes the kingship of David and his dynasty is, is defined as a bias, a home. Because Malchus is associated with bias. I know, because David HaMelech said in Tehillim, My heart was never uh, arrogant. I'm just quoting the whole pasuk. Imloishivisi means that I always experienced myself as a suckling infant in the bosom of its mother. Navshik from the word doymem, silent, like a, like a little infant uh, embraced comfortably with so much love by its mother, and the infant is just relaxed, silent, eyes closed, in the middle of falling asleep. And getting its nutrients from the mother's milk. So Dovida describes himself this way when he's already the king and the most powerful person in the country. He says, loy My heart never grew arrogant. I always look at myself as the infant in the womb of its, in, in, the, in the, in the, in the bosom of its mother. Im shivisi mamti. You can tell me if it's not true that my soul remains silent like a gummel alei imay. A gummel is a suckling infant with its mother
1: such a great warrior, huh?
0: oh very good very good so sometimes you have a person who by nature or by choice is is meek but David was anything but that meek <laughs> is um, <laughs> a shvachinke you know uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of push off. just less assuming and more subservient uh, more docile yeah the sheep right but David HaMelech, you read Tanakh, was anything but that. Yeah. In fact, and this is very interesting, and scholars who don't understand the depth of it always get confused, the David of Nevi'im and the David of Tehillim are two different people. Somebody once told me there's a schizophrenia. The David of Tehillim is the most pious, spiritual, emotional Jew who sits in a corner all day and just davens. It's an Baba. <laughs> Very good. It's like your great-grandmother who sat in the shtetl, right? In a little chair by the corner. You ever read Tillum? You ever read him? He doesn't stop. Everything is Hashem, Hashem, Hashem. You, with you. Everything is you. I rely only on you. The whole world is gonna, <laughs> is gonna destroy with you, you, you. You read the David of, uh, of Nevi'im. He's a warrior. He's a statesman. He's a battler, he's a courageous man. He takes on Goliath, right? The, the mighty man of his time, Goliath. But then he moves on. David was a fearless person. Do
1: you the... Arisa, what does he say Nor- huh? He killed
0: the lion, he killed the bear. Benoio ben do you mean? Hikes, I read, chabar y'chabar, b'yoy, mashallah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was... A, and you and you see it throughout the stories. His, he was a tremendous conqueror and tremendous visionary. He's the one who united Klaus to in their country. He's the one who established Yerushalayim as a capital. So you read the two Davids, it seems like different people, opposite people. Huh? But that's gonna be the Oymek. So that's what he's gonna say. Ukemoi habaye is <coughs> just like a home. Nasim ebchinis Avonim va'afar is made from stones. From rock and an earth, shulbchinas doymim. On one level, avonim and afarad doymim. They're lifeless. But vesharshim mebchinas makiv de makiv. But we said the bias is rooted in what's called the makiv of makiv. It's even higher than levushim and mazan. Kah. chamalchus mebchinas svirach din etshabas Malchus on one level is the lowest sphere in the ten spheres of atzilus. Vesharshim oyd nayla mebchinas makiv de makiv kamal but its rooted, its source, is in a very sublime place, what we call the makif, which is even beyond the makif. The
1: highest, the
0: lowest. Right. And it's the highest that comes into the lowest of malchus. And since David and represents malchus, so the way Hashem describes his malchus is always a bias, neman, a home, I'm going to establish a home. And here we recall the three dimensions that are the vital components of human life, food, garments, and a home, which on one level, food is what you need most. It becomes part of you. That's your your bloodstream. Garments are more external, and a house is even more external. Yet the house is the most expensive. Garments are at least less expensive. Food is the least expensive. And he explained that the spiritual reason for this is based on another difference, and that is food. I don't eat a whole day. You eat one meal a day or two meals a day. A person could fast for a day or two. Garments, on the other hand, a person usually wears much of the day or most of the day or all of the day but a bias you'll have a home even when I'm not in a home I have a home call me Shaneley bias ain't the other and the two differences are connected to each other on one level mozen is closer to a person but what makes it closer to a person it becomes limited according to the chemistry of the person it becomes the person and becomes depleted that becomes consumed and you have to eat again that's mozen that's what mozen pnimi is pnimi means it becomes the oxygen, like the oil of the flame that gets depleted because it gets consumed by the, by the wick. It gets consumed by the flame. And you have to refill the jug with oil. Why? Because it becomes, it converts into the fire. It becomes depleted. And that's the pnimi, that's mamalikal almond. And you have to, it becomes assimilated. Yeah. The lavush lasts for longer. It represents something which is more makif. Yeah. And you also wear it a whole day. Not like food. Because, your rotzain is actually a higher and deeper place in the self. There's something even deeper. Clothes you could take off. Person goes into bathe, A person goes into the mikvah. Person goes to sleep. Other situations. The person takes off their clothes. Sometimes there's obligations in alacha to take them off in different situations, in appropriate situations. A bias every moment to have a home, and on the other hand, the bias is the furthest for me. It's not in me, it's not even on me, it doesn't suit my body. A jacket has to fit you, a shirt has to fit you, socks have to fit you, a hat has to fit you. It's a maketh, but it's a maketh that's connected, it's tailored, tailored, pun intended, to your body. And uh, even a talus, so a talus is talk a, a, a broader maketh, <coughs> but a talus is too small. There's no atifas so you need a bigger talus. In other words, the lavush has some connection to the physique and the structure of your body, just like we explained at length about tsev and about ratzav. A house, you could be in a huge house, you could be in a smaller house, it's called makif harachek. What does makif mean? It's also a makif, but it's the makif, even the the makif of lavush, it's remote from you, meaning it's completely beyond the structure of your physique. Food becomes me. A garment has to suit me. A house is completely beyond my structure. The makif of a person, ratzoin, is beyond, but it's a ratzoin for a certain life, and that's why it's experienced within your structure, consciously, like a garment. The bias represents what we spoke about, that length. The superconscious, in other words, it's completely not suitable with my structure, with how I define myself. The way I define myself is already the way the makif is assimilated into my conversation, into my processing system. It's not happening on an unconscious level. So bias on one level is the deepest connection, and because it's the deepest, it's also not conscious. And therefore, it can't become part of you. And it can't even encompass you like a garment. Because it's too deep to become filtered and trickled down and limited in the finite structure of the person. That's what bias is. And on the other hand, it's always there. You always have a home. You could be in school, you could be in work, you could be on a business trip for three months in Asia, but you have a home. <laughs> okay. In
1: that sense, isn't it something that is more on a lesser
0: level? You're right. On one hand, it's much further than me, because this element of a person, we're talking here in the source of bias, the physical manifestation of bias, like everything physical, it can be understood. And, you know, it can be. It could also be misconstrued. We're talking about the concept of mazun, Lavush, and Bias, in its ultimate shayrish, in its ultimate spiritual divine source, is mamale, Soiviv, and Pinimi or Atzmos. It comes down in our world in these three components that the Rebbeinu Shalom orchestrated that are all parts of human life. So my house, in many ways, is me. But what do I mean it's me? It's not my food. It's not my clothes. But even when I'm far away, I still have that house. And this is what's called makif arachik. On one hand, it's deeper. It's a deeper eye than any other part. But it's an eye that I can't easily access and define in words because it's so beyond, it's so transcendent. And therefore, you don't eat rocks, you don't eat earth. And garments are not made of rocks or earth. I mean, try wearing a rock, it's not so easy. It's the, um, it's the deepest, but it comes down in the lowest. And sometimes that's how it is. The highest things come down in the lowest expressions.
1: the fuck uh, What happened with Yitzhak and, and Ruk, at that time, and with Belkin's daughters at that time?
0: Also, yeah, why Light was sleeping. That's what we discussed in the previous show. Why light was sleeping? Why Yehuda didn't know? Why? Uh, and we'll soon see that the homes were being built then. We'll soon see. David Amelech represents malchus. What's malchus? What's real malchus? Real malchus is power that comes together with powerlessness in the deepest fashion. David Amelech's greatest power was the fact that he felt powerless. The fact that he looked like a, he felt like a child, an infant, in the bosom of its mother. In a paradoxical way, that made him the most powerful person because he was the most powerless person. If he would have felt not like an infant in the womb of, in in the bosom of its mother, he could have never had that power. They say that power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Power is a very, very dangerous tool. We all know in our lives, you sometimes encounter people with power. And it's sometimes very hard. And it's, it's not about judging anybody, it's a test. Just like when a person is blessed with wealth, or a person is blessed with great wisdom, or with great other talents or skills or gifts, one of them is power. And if you look throughout history, people with power have usually, or very often, abused it. Until today, people with power abuse it. Some of you have to deal with these people constantly. Huh? politics and, and and judgments and uh, and fears and insecurities and so forth.
1: Oh. So
0: that's why a melech is a very dangerous thing.
1: you felt that tremendous <laughs> docility and vigil inside, you needed an external reminder of it? Well... Okay.
0: The Melech needs to have two Sifra Tehira. Every person has one Sifra And the Melech needs two Sifra Tehira. The Gemara has an expression, a Mesachas Brachas, Davchov Beis, HaMelech Kivan Shekara, Shuv Ene zaykif. Usually by Shemene Asra we go, Baruch Atah Hashem, and then we pick up our heads, and we remain standing till the end. The few times we bow. A Melech, right in the beginning of Shemene Asra, Kiven Shekara, he kneels, he prostrates himself, Shuv Ene Zaykev, he's not allowed to pick up his head till the end of Shemene Asra a great time to pelt him with uh, with rubber bullets or with sroigim, uh, or with her shyness and Aravis, right? He's down. That's it. He can't do anything. It would be strange. Everyone is standing and the melech is down. But it's really the same nekuda. What gives him the right to be a... What gives a person the right to have power over another person? The answer is nothing. <laughs> we don't have the right to have power over people. That's why it says in Parshas Bahar, avod thy what do Chazal say? Rashi quotes, You are my servants, and therefore you're not allowed to be a servant to anybody else. Nobody has a right to exercise power over you, because I am the sole master of all humanity, and you are not superior to anybody else. Which is why the Torah limits so much the laws of slavery. Six years, and you're, able, you're not allowed to do this, and you're not allowed to do this, to the point that the Gemara says in, Kiddush, in Yudalot, evidivri, adon if you purchase a Jewish slave, just know that you just purchased a master. It's like hiring a Jew. <laughs> it's very hard to have a Jewish employee, right? What gives the Melech a power to power to exercise power over another person? There's only one answer. If the Melech sees himself as completely nothing, as a conduit, as powerless, in other words, my entire agenda here is to be able to be here for the people. That's why we say, Malchus leislam megar maklum. The Zaire says, Malchus has nothing of its own. It's like the light of the moon. The moon doesn't have its own light. It reflects the sun's light. The moment the moon grows arrogant and starts thinking it's its own light, It's not the moon anymore. The beauty of the moon is that it reflects the sun's light. Because Malchus has that sense of selflessness, therefore it can have more power than anything else. Therefore it can have more kayak than anything else. Because that's where your greatest power comes from. Because it's not my power over your power. If the Melech feels that way, then it's a whole different story. And many kings did. They fell prey to that moment, to that position. There were very few who can really tune into that place. The greatest leaders of the Jewish people are the leaders who experience themselves as the greatest slaves of the Jewish people. And this is not Stam an expression. It says this clearly in Chumash. In Tanakh, when Shlema Melech passed away and Rehavim wanted to uh, increase the tax burden and the older advisors told him, Mistake. Let the people give them a lighter time, a, an easier time. And they said, if you will be an evid for this nation, then they will, you'll be able to be a king for this nation. So the Gemara says in Harius, that Rabbi Gamliel wanted to appoint two of the sages as leaders. And they said, we're not interested. We don't need this position. And Rabbi Gamliel said, and I quote, you think I'm conferring upon you leadership? I'm conferring upon you slavery. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, what does this mean? It doesn't mean that you don't have to respect the king. You have to respect the king. And b'Malchus was Misa. Why? But why? The moment the king starts taking his ego seriously, then it's already not the Malchus that Yiddishkeit advocates embraces. The whole nekuda has to be fakert, more bittal than everybody else. Because I have so much power, I have to be more powerless. So then my entire power is not me. I'm a conduit for for leadership. I'm here for God and I'm here for the people. So the entire... And then the person can have a power that is beyond any other power. Because the power is not defined by his own ego. It's It's defined by God. And therefore it assumes the infinite properties of its creator, and therefore, it has a fearlessness to it that any other power would not have.
1: The concept of huh? the concept of what do you mean? That it only yeah. can be
0: yeah. present. Yeah. And that's why we learned before that malchus and nesius are one of those things that if you want it, then you don't get it. It's like shikh. Why? There's people who want power and they get it, but it's not this type of malchus. Right, bin Shaddach, they ran away to Mitzrayim Look at Moshe. Hashem is begging him for seven days. I don't understand. The basis of every Jew is that God says, you do. Hashem betzach seven days. At the end, every excuse you come up with, as though God doesn't know, it's, like, it's almost like in Yeshiva with the principle. Hashem says, I want to appoint you. He says, oh, oh, oh. Me, I'm a nobody. Oh, as though God didn't know you're a nobody, right? So he says, what do you mean you're a nobody? I'm, I'm, I'm choosing you, you're going as much. So then he comes up with a new one. I don't know how to speak. <laughs> I didn't know that either, by the way. Moshe, let me teach you something about God. I'm the one who allows people to speak. You're good. So Moshe says, oh, they're not going to believe me. Oh, God, I never heard that one. They'll believe you. So Moshe says, yeah? Do me a favor, have a brother, go find somebody else. It's mamish antithetical to everything, and then Moshe tells the Jews for forty years, "You got to listen to God, listen to God, listen to God." So what's the oimek here? This question the, in in this mime, the way the Mittler ever wrote it, he asks this question. <laughs> here it's bekitzer. What what what? So he says he says now it's the only way he could be that person. <laughs> the only way he could become that person that God wants is if every fiber of his being said, no way. That was part of the mitzvah. It's like shikha. <laughs> if, if God says, become the leader, you're going to become the greatest Rebbe and leader in all time, Moses will become the man, you're done. If God would show him his Wikipedia page, and how many times he's mentioned to Google, and Moshe says, oh, it's not bad, not bad for a nice Egyptian little boy, then you're done. What made Moshe the person was that Every part of him said no. Huh? And that's what made him the most powerful person. Because it wasn't, he didn't need it for his ego. The moment I need leadership for my ego, then I'm a slave. I'm not a leader. I need the polls. I need the people to like me. I'm serving you. I'm a slave. I'm not a leader. Because Maisha didn't need it. It didn't give him anything. Fakert. It was a compromise. So why are you doing it? You're doing it to serve. You're doing it because that's what the people need. So then, it's a different type of leadership, then you're a genuine leader. Then, it's a choice, you're doing it for the people, you're not doing it for yourself. Those pictures don't mean anything. The COVID is is, is a distraction for you. The compliments are a distraction for you. And then you can also deal with criticism, because real leaders deal with genuine criticism. How do you not go into a depression? You know, real leaders throughout history... It's not Pasha. Put yourself into their shoes what they have been through. And I'm talking about the real people, what they have been through. The nudniks and the lowlifes. And how do you do it? It's very hard. Moshe at one point says, kill me. And na says, Bala is the answer is always one answer. You don't take yourself seriously, but you take your cause very seriously. Other people, exact the exact opposite. They don't take the cause seriously, but they take themselves very seriously. It's a different picture. It's a different story. Moshe never takes himself seriously, but he takes his cause absolutely seriously, and that makes all the difference. So you could remain completely human, and David Amalek says, "I'm just like an infant in the bosom of my mother," and yet he can make decisions that are decisive and require tremendous courage and tremendous power. It's never about my ego, and therefore his power becomes actually much deeper because it's divine power. Shlucho If you see yourself as a shliach of Hashem, so who do you represent? You present something that's infinite, so that's who you become. But if I'm only my own man, I'm only my own man, which is nice, it's good, but it's limited to my own little ego. So if I want it, I don't get it. Then I'm in a different place. If I need the leadership, it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Some people want leadership. We know that. We have political candidates who will spend millions and millions and hundreds of millions, ah, uh, that others should elect them as a leader, right? For Moshe it was like called, it was a punishment.
1: <laughs> but that P'chinna is in every Jew,
0: correct? Yeah, so that P'chinna is in every, by David it was a, a, a revealed. So Malchus is the lowest of the ten spheres. It's a mamash on the bottom. As it says, it's Makabel. It receives from all the other nine. On the other hand, it's rooted in the deepest place. Because we see, what is Malchus? Just to give an example. Somebody becomes, is appointed to become, the, is sworn in to become the new president of the United States of America. What did they learn that day that they didn't know yesterday? Nothing. Somebody is appointed to become, excuse me, the medical chief of one of the greatest hospitals in the world, to go on the top. What did he learn that day in medicine that he didn't know yesterday? Nothing. And somebody is appointed to become the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company that day. What did he learn about business that day that he didn't know yesterday? Nothing. So from an external point of view, you would say, so nothing changed. And yet we know he's a new person. When he comes out of the office that day and he goes into his car, he's a different person. The president is a different person. This leader is a different person. What happened? It's not like he got a, a shear in the morning that changed his perception. Whatever you knew yesterday, you know today. <laughs> all the flaws that the president had yesterday, yesterday, has today. And all the virtues he had yesterday, he has today. And all the knowledge he has yesterday, he has today. And all the wisdom he had yesterday, he has today. But he's a different person. He became a melech. Ein melech below Malchus, I don't necessarily mean in the ultimate form of kingship. Malchus is every leadership. You were appointed by people to a top position. You look in the mirror and you see, you feel a different, you're a different person. That's a very, very deep thing. Where is that rooted in? On one end, it's the lowest because it's late. It doesn't have anything on its own. It's just makabol from chach, mabina, das, chasid, gur, taveris, netzech, yisoid. Malchus doesn't have any substance of its own. Whatever you had yesterday, you're going to have today. What I knew about medicine yesterday, I know today. What I knew about law yesterday, I know today. What I knew about politics yesterday, I know today. Maybe the CIA will brief you about uh, certain secrets that you didn't know yesterday. Huh? huh? UFOs, the black suitcase, etc. Fine, I understand there's certain confidential information that I may share with you that day or the day before. But you understand my point? But on the other level, there's a transformation that nothing else can cause. You're a different person. What makes you different? What, the same knowledge. You don't know anything more. Your personality didn't change, but everything changed about you. Every koyach of yours, what is it? This is a very deep idea. Malchus is rooted in the etzem ha makif la What happens now is, every one of your faculties is infused with a new sharpness that comes from your essence. You operate on a different level, on a maximum level. You're operating. Every one of your faculties is accentuated and infused with a vitality that comes from the bias, from the makiv harachach, from the deepest place of the self. So on one level, malchus is nothing. It has no substance. Like the moon doesn't have its own light. Leadership basically is the person I was yesterday, I am today. I just now have to facilitate or bring it into this office, to this job. So on one hand, Malchus, there's no new addition. Nothing new was added to my my uh, my resume, my portfolio. Nothing new. And yet, everything is new. Everything that was there yesterday is concentrated. And it emerges with a certain acuteness, with a certain intensity, with a certain depth, because you have been given that moment of uh, responsibility. Suddenly the whole nation is under you. Suddenly the world depends on you. Or the hundreds of patients depend on you. Or a huge hospital or a huge university or a huge company. You're you're, you're a different person. You're a different person. It's not just your salary was raised. Yeah, that's always good. <laughs> what happened? Your malchus came out. And this you can not do on your own. You need the people for this. If you go up to a mountain and you meditate for 50 years, you can do great poetry. But you can't feel malchus. Malchus, you always need the feedback. It's the people. It's people who are outside of you. You cannot become a melech on your own. Ain melech be'loyam. Everything else you can do on your own. Malchus is about the experience of the self that emerges from people choosing you and giving you that position of leadership. And it just puts into focus everything that was there before in a new way. You know when you have a camera and your fo- but it's not focused so you have everything there but it's blurry and then it becomes sharp that very every element of your personality now becomes so sharp and it's in focus why because malchus the lowest sphere is rooted in keser that's why we have an expression keser malchus no it's soifen betchilasim so malchus brings out your core. And now, your Chachma, your Bina, your Chesed, your guri, your verse, your Netzer, your Soit, are shining and facilitating and bringing to fore, bringing to, bringing to the fore not only the external dimension of the Midah, but the way the core of you infuses the Midah. So they're all operating on a different level, with a different level of intensity and vitality. Something new happens into each of them. Why? Because the bias came in, the makif la makef came in here. Malchus somehow brings that out in the person. So it's a different person. Even though, on an external level, the makif and the panimi are more or less the same. But there's an intangible makif la makef that is now coming out in Malchus.
1: Some of the Jewish kings become
0: such ah. They're, 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 they're Listen, for the, for the have-bittel in power is a tremendous, tremendous quality. It's very, very difficult. It's extremely difficult to have so much power and to say I have nothing, I'm a baby in the bosom of my mother is very big in and it's not simple. You know what I mean? Because you do have the power. And you have to have the power because if a king doesn't have the power, he can't be a king. If a king says, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, if you're going to be indecisive, you will, it's going to be a disaster. So it's very, very difficult to maintain that humility that you're always connected, and you're just a conduit. You're not, you're not the master. You don't own anybody. You don't own this world. You were created. You were given a gift. You were given a mission, and that's your job to do your mission. You're a conduit. Listen, we all know. Think in your life. It's not an easy recognition when you have, when you're blessed with something, you want to own it. It's not easy to say I don't own it, and I work. I'm a servant to God more than anybody else. That's what. That's who I am. How easy you think that is? Huh? It's not easy. In fact, there are places where the whole incentive to motivate youth is, you say, you're going to become a goddle. You're going to become the most powerful person. Everybody's going to respect you. Why is that such an incentive for people? You're going to be a goddle. There's people, they work for years and years and years to hope they're going to become a goddle. Right? Huh?
1: Sure.
0: <laughs> They'll have your picture. Yeah. I once saw a story about somebody. He said that in his dormitory in Yeshiva, he had pictures of a bunch of the and in the middle he had an empty frame. So they asked him, what's this? He says, this is for me. And this is what motivated him, and this is what inspired him. He says, this is for me. Yeah. So, the moment you start learning chesidahs, you understand that this is, it's like Nebach, right? It's like a Nebach story. But, but, Perhaps
1: he was a godel. He was nothing. He was a nothing. He was a picture.
0: <laughs> but well, what what is it? It's it's a, it's a base incentive. In other words, you'll be a godel. So what does it mean? You'll be a godel? So so when the the magazines put the pictures of G'dayl and burning chametz, you'll be in those pictures. When you die, they'll write a biography about you in the first few months. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> they have the biography already ready. <laughs> Biography's ready. We all know, covet is a very deep incentive, very deep incentive. People pay a lot, a lot of money for covet. Why? It does something to a person. They walk into a room and everybody stands up. There was a levaya of somebody. It's a Nebuch story, but I'll just tell it to you. So somebody gets up at the levaya and he's eulogizing this person. So he wants to bring out his greatness. What was his greatness? That wherever he went, he went to a chasana, he went to a bris, he went to a mitzvah, he went to an event. He always walked with a Gemara or with a Safer. So they asked him why. It's not You're not coming to learn. You're coming, whatever. So he said, because I knew when I walk and everybody's going to stand up. So I may feel arrogant. So I came with a Gemara to tell myself they're not standing up for me. They're standing up for the Gemara. So now I remain humble. So somebody told me the story. And he says, isn't that unbelievable greatness? So I said, I guess his humility was as deep as his belief that they're standing up for the (laughs) Gemara. That's how deep his humility is. (laughs) When when you're not typhus the eponymous of Yiddishkeit, so things could be very, very superficial. And motivations can also be very superficial. The ego plays a major role in life. That's normal. We all have egos. I don't know about everybody sitting in this room, but I know about the one speaking. People have egos. This is part of life. Yeah. When God becomes reduced to the ego, that's what tragedy is. When Yiddishkeit is nothing but the ego, then you miss the boat. The fact that we have egos, we have egos, of course. And you make decisions based on egos, yeah. But you have to know. if <laughs> you the right? It's the I have an ego, but you have to know, to give an example, there is a certain animal, a swine, a chazer. It likes to play in, uh, in mud and even excrement. And sometimes you could see it wallowing and uh, going to the mikveh, and submerging itself in the quagmire of, of of excrement, right? In Yiddish, there's a word for it. Yeah, right. Now, all of us have that. I should say, many of us have that quality too. We, uh, a part of us, licked in the, what's called it's, a, it's an excrement, Schmutz, Yeah, but there's a big difference when you learn when you discover the depth of Torah, the depth of Yiddishkeit, you can identify it as excrement. (laughs) That's the difference. It's not that you're not there anymore. You're still there, but you can identify it. You don't turn that into the pinnacle of spirituality. You understand? This is is what it is to be a human being, and it's part of serving God too, understanding the struggle in this nature. So that's why we, we... Learning about this is valuable. Not that it takes away your ego. It doesn't take away your ego. But the moment I can identify and I say, this is coming from the chazer Al-Ami, that needs to go into excrement, okay. <laughs> so give it a little caress and say, okay, now it's time to go to the shower. <laughs> now it's time to clean yourself up. Clean yourself up, let's move on. So this is the nekuda. Your teuf is divided. That malchus on one hand is the lowest of the sphere. It's like avonim, it's offer. The real melech is doimim. Deimamti. David says, I have no voice. In other words, I'm nothing. I'm a complete receptacle. Like a little baby is completely dependent on its mother. Deimamti. I'm like a rock. I'm like earth. I'm a diamond. I have no uh, a diamond. You ever see a rock? Step on me. Everybody steps on it. Steps on it. It doesn't protest. The sidewalk never protests. But on the other hand, it never goes to therapy. Stepping on it your whole life. The sidewalk never suffers self-esteem issues. We say every morning in davening at the end of when the offer my soul should be like offer for everybody I mean not offer like everybody my soul should be like sand like dust like earth what does it mean La for everybody in other words you should look at me and see me what as offer as earth so you could step on me so that's really what you want for your children <laughs> before your child goes on the bus to yeshiva you say "Chaim." Let me just tell you the rule of life. Try today to be like dust and earth for everybody. <laughs> that what you want for you. Why are you asking for that? But there's something very deep here. There's something very deep. And Toysfus says it basically within the Gemara, the brachas, I think, Zion, people step on offer a whole day. And what happens to the offer? <laughs> it gets destroyed? No, it's fine. It doesn't get destroyed. It never sees, you could step on it, jump on it. On the contrary, it remains fully intact. We're davening, v'nafshik hafal kalti in life. Sometimes people step on you. But you should remain like offer, unaffected. Why? Because your ego is not rooted in ego. Your ego, your true sense of self, is rooted in the ultimate source of self, and then nothing can destroy you. Nothing can destroy you. That's doimim. And that's the real melech. The real melech is like a doymim. He looks at himself like afar. And because of that hakalayim in offer, everything grows from the earth. The earth, which is earth, everything comes from it. Everything grows from it. Why? Because of its bitl. Because of its lack of ego, it becomes, it assumes and becomes the source of the greatest life on the planet. Because of that. So, David Amalek's doimim, his malchus, his doimim, ultimately <laughs> is rooted in the deepest self and in the ultimate self, and it triggers and it brings out that deepest self. And that's the, that's the reconciliation between David and Tehillim and David in, uh, in Tanakh. Okay. Since so it's like Boim, I'll just tell you, it says in Zohar. Uh, we say in Parashas Kisisa, Bashana, call Pnei Ha'adin Hashem. Three times a year, everybody should go see the face of the Master Hashem. So the Zoya says in Parashas Kisisa, and I quote verbatim, Man Pnei Ha'adin Hashem, Who is the face of the Master God? Who is it? So I would think the Zoya would say, I don't know, God doesn't have a face, right? The Zoya says, who is the face of Hashem? That's what the Zaya says. The Zaya What's the meaning of this? I mean, the basis of Judaism is that every person has direct relationship with God, there's no intermediary. The Pshat is, uh, <laughs> well, he didn't say it about himself. <coughs> uh, he and his Talmudim. But, and if he, and if he did write it and edit it, it makes it even more strange. So he's saying it about himself, right? It's really exciting. The pshat is, uh, when your, when your self is nothing but a conduit for the divine self, you can write about yourself, <laughs> these words. Rajbi says in Zohar, ba'alma. I am a simon. It's like when you see a sign and the sign says, go here in order to go to the store or the museum. So what's the definition of the sign? It just points you in one direction. So, anasimona My very eye is a simon to the presence of Hashem in the world. And this is the difference between a gadol in real Judaism and not in Judaism. We don't believe in people, ever. We don't worship people, ever, ever lo yichra, lo yishtachava. We don't bow down to people, we don't worship people. Not small g'daylem, not big g'daylem, not very big g'daylem. In fact, a person who really feels himself like a gadol, <coughs> excuse me, is a reason to worship less. We worship only God. What is the Zoya teaching us here? When there's a person who seizes to constitute a separate entity from Hashem and his or her entire self is only a conduit for God. So then, when I say, Man pne Hashem Dar Rashbi, you know why? Because Rashbi wasn't Rashbi. Who was Rashbi? Rashbi was a channel for Hashem. Which means, Einoid Hashem is everything and everywhere. The ego blocks it. Omed abein Hashem. The ego, the animal consciousness, creates a machitza. So when I experience myself, I experience myself as a separate ego. When a person transcends that ego, ego as an easing God out, and the entire self becomes nothing but a conduit for Hashem. So when I say you, who is the you? The you is Because the whole Shem was nothing but a conduit. So you're never worshipping a person. You never worship a person. A person that his entire metzius is but a conduit, then you're not worshiping a person. It says in K'dusha Slavi, Parsha Shoifta, I believe writes, I quote, Mutter leshtachavis l'atzadak. Badichava, you're allowed to bow down to a tzadak. Really? We suddenly bow down to people? There could be an isavavavay dezora. How can the badichava say this? The way they understood a tzadak is different than we. In other words, I'll ask you a question. If somebody is called a godl, right? But once in 60 years, he does an Avera. It's not so bad, right? <laughs> it's not so bad. That definition of Godl is something that's very dangerous. It means he's a person. My sahara makes me sin. I don't know, how many times a day do I sin? I should ask my wife. Huh? Okay, my Yetzirah makes me sin this amount. This one's Yetzirah makes then once a week. This one once a year, and this one once in 60 years. The moment you start worshipping such a person, it's already, you're off. You're off. You graduated into a different place. It's very dangerous. You don't worship any god ever. We worship Hashem. The, the only thing. When you have a person like Rajabi that his entire metzius is nothing but alakus, he's a conduit for godliness, you're not worshipping him, there's no him. Einoid mulvadai. His whole mitsias, his whole identity screams Einoid mulvadai. There's no him, you're not worshipping him. That's the only justification. Such a tzaddik you could bow down to because you're not bowing down to a tzaddik, you bow down to Hashem. Stifis? <laughs> huh? <laughs> <laughs> this says also in Yerushalmi, Yerushalmi says in Bikurim, it says in Chavakak, V'ashem beheich al we say in the Avotair of Shmos, "Vashem behechal kotecha," Hashem is in His holy chamber. So Talmud Yerushalmi says, "In tractate Bekurim, Maiv Vashem behechal kotecha." What does it mean? So, I would say it means Hashem is in His chamber. He says, "Da, Reb Yitzchak be Reb Elazar Kesarin." the son of Reb when he was sitting in his yeshiva in Cesarea in Kesarin, and he was learning or teaching, this is Hashem behechal kotecha. Zoya is a book of Kabbalah. Yerushalmi is a book of Nigla. It's Gemara. It says this in Yerushalmi. Hashem beheichal kotcha is who? Rabbi Yitzchak. How can the Gemara say such a thing? Hashem is Rabbi Yitzchak? This seems like a religion that's not Judaism. The answer is, it's a very, very subtle idea. If Rabbi Yitzchak was Rabbi Yitzchak, then it would be a betrayal of Judaism. The true essence of who Rabbi Yitzchak was, even in a revealed way, was Complete bittel, a complete open conduit for the divine truth emerging through him, shining through him. So you say Hashem be Echel Kotei Dor not because God is Reb Yitzchak, because Reb Yitzchak's entire mitzvah is nothing but a conduit for Hashem. So Milador Reb Yitzchak, because Reb is not Reb Yitzchak. Reb Yitzchak is Ano Simona Ba like Rashi says. Man pneyad and Hashem Dor Rashi.
1: Zadikim
0: daimon yeah. So you never worship a person. If you're worshiping a person, you're not in a good place. We don't worship Him, we only worship God. Respect a person, you look up to a person, you learn from a person, you're inspired from a person. You don't worship a person.
1: How do you recognize the
0: difference? How do you recognize the difference? Ooh. that question I cannot answer. Only thing I would say is if you're looking with an MS, Hashem will show you. If you're not looking with an MS, he won't show you. But if you're looking with an MS, he'll show you.
1: <laughs> so you asking how you recognize the difference between um, your perception of a person or, um, or it the oh, yeah. Yeah. what's coming out from the person? I'm not sure which question it was. Sure, certainly a good question.
0: If somebody's looking with an MS, they'll find. If they're not looking with an MS, they won't. Same,
1: same, thing,
0: same, thing. Uh, same thing. Every father is a melech. Every mother is a melech. Of course. The moment, you become, the moment it becomes an ego thing with your children, you lost the plot. You're going to listen to me because I'm stronger than you and I'm bigger than you. And you, The moment you get insulted by your children and you take it personally and now you fight back to win, then you're not a father anymore. Then you're an insecure patient who needs therapy and needs his child to validate him. Which is fine, but just be aware of it. Don't turn that into fatherhood. Husband, the same thing. You understand what I'm saying? It's fine. It's normal. We need our children to validate us because we have very frail egos and we're traumatized and we need our kids to tell us that we're wonderful and awesome and great and powerful and we have power in the world and knowledgeable and good parents and benevolent, which is fine. But for that, you have a therapist. You don't need a child. (laughs) A child, you have to be a father, not a patient. A lot of parents are patients and their children are therapists. It's like, when you tell me you'll do the homework, what it just means is that I'm doing my job. So when you say you're not doing homework, what does it mean? I'm not doing my job, which means I'm a failure, which means you're showing me that I'm a failure. Of course I go crazy. I'm not a father. It's, again, I'm a normal person. I got my issues. But that's not fatherhood. You understand? It's the the direk. Fine. So go take a shower, figure your stuff out, and now say, now I'll be a father. A father means that you're not here to validate my existence. There's an inner wholesomeness. When you can find your inner wholesomeness through your bittle, then you could really be there. You could be a melech, you could be a leader. A leader is a leader who doesn't need it. If he needs to be a leader, then he can't be a leader. He's this different type of leader. If I need the leadership because I need you to tell me that I'm a good guy and I need you to give me power... Then I'm working for you. So if you make with your nose like this, I change my position. I can't be a leader. A real leader has to be a leader from within. That's why not everybody is a leader. Not everybody is a melech. Beis David had a gift of malchus. Not everybody has that gift. Everyone is a melech, but there's levels of malchus, you know. David was malchus. It's malchus. It's a certain quality. And that's why the leader has a very small ego. He has no, the real leader has no ego. You can't insult him. You're, there's nobody to insult. You're a this, you're a that, you're a that, you're a that. You're not gonna get, he's not gonna get insulted. There's nobody to insult. An ego could get insulted. When you have no ego, there's nobody to insult. There was once a, a scene, a video I saw. It, it made a very deep impression on me. There was a yid I knew. He was very sick. He was, as a child, he was very sick and he struggled with illness his whole life. He's already in Ila he passed away in his 30s, or I think late 30s. He was, for years and years, suffered with a lot of illness. He was a rov in Florida. He had a shul in Florida. A wonderful person, a beloved person. His Hevra loved him. He once came to receive a dollar from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. I don't know the background to the story. I'm just going to speculate from my own imagination, but it could be I'm off. I'm just telling you what I saw. So he came by to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe would give a dollar and give a bracha. Sometimes people would ask. As he comes over to the Rebbe, he's in his 30s, to the Rebbe. he Rebbe. He's like this. You know like your principal did when you were seven? Yeah, no, to the Rebbe. He's going like this to the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who's, I don't know, 60 years older than him, and the Rebbe, he's going like this. This guy, he was a very open person. My assumption, my assumption was that he was asking the Rebbe to help him get healthier, or for blessings, and he was deteriorating perhaps, and maybe he felt <laughs> that uh, the Rebbe could do more, I, mean, I, I don't know, but he's going like this, okay, so, it's not, you know, it's not very respectful, to put it mildly, it's not like it's a classmate of the Rebbe, or, you know, it's a, a same age, it's, it's a chosid. he comes over to the Rebbe, And he says, I'm very disappointed in you. He's still going, I'm very disappointed in you. He doesn't explain why. My imagination is it had to do with his health, but I don't know. So the Rebbe looks, listens. And I already got offended a little bit. I'm watching this. I'm like, you're a chutzpah, somebody should smack you. Yeah. I couldn't remember what the Rebbe would say. Like, I thought the Rebbe is a cla- was a classy person, an intelligent person and a caring person. He'll probably listen and ask him why you're... I'm thinking, what would I do? I would listen, why are you upset? And, you know, without skipping a without beat, without I, the Rebbe says, that makes two of us. I'm also very disappointed with myself. And that was it. I'm also very disappointed with myself. So natural. Like, like, huh? It was so natural. It was like, I was like, whoa. If it would happen to me, I assume, inside I would be upset, right? But, you know, you make this. And yes, a professional. What's bo- Like a therapist, what's bothering you? Why do you want to kill me? <laughs> Why do you hate me? You know, you try. And there's a part of you that really wants to know, there's a part of you that wants to shoot the guy, there's a part of you that wants to throw, you know. This, But like in the spa, he says, I'm also disappointed with myself. You're in good company. He said, you're in good company. I'm also very disappointed with myself. <laughs> he was looking at himself, he was also disappointed with himself, that he didn't, he didn't be or reach what he wanted to reach. That you
1: know, the end of the conversation.
0: Pretty much, I think. Did you never, never, never. I don't know. They had a relationship, probably in correspondence. I don't think it started then. they uh, the Rebbe, I think, helped them a lot over the years. So, But this was just a moment of, um, could a person respond without an ego, huh? Mama's not personal. How do you respond without an ego? It's, without an ego, you respond without an ego. Your wife tells you something. Your child tells you something. Our egos are right away there. Can I respond without an ego? Mama, imagine your ego was dead. You actually listen to the person. It's like, okay, this is what he said. And basically what happens then is, it's like, you know, you are actually you have a good comrade in me. I also have, I'm also (laughs) disappointed with myself. It's a whole different response. It's not just... It's not diplomatic to disarm the person. That's what the gurus will teach you. If you want to disarm people, agree with them. But that's just another game. It's another technique. Huh? Always. It's a much wiser game. If you come to me and say, Rabbi Jacobson, I'm really disappointed with you, instead of telling you you're an idiot, I'll say, really, why? Um, Let me hear. You know, understand, even though I'm thinking you're an idiot. So it's part of the game of professionals. But here, it was a whole different <laughs> It was like organic. So that Bittl is a very powerful thing. You can't fake it. Either you have it or you don't have it. But even if you don't have it, you can identify it. <laughs> you can be honest, what's what. Yeah. You don't turn your need for being a godl into religion. That's not... Uh, it's a superficial Yiddish kind. That's what people are running away
1: from. A book, games that people play. <laughs> they play characters like a child, father, and it shows how people react to things. For example, a person behaves childish, you can be his father. And it uh, changes the dynamic of the conversations. For example, a person becomes childish, you you know, you become like his father. You, 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 you tie his shoes. And it changes the, the <laughs> dynamics of the conversation, but it's not perfectly,
0: as you
1: said, which is the M's. they of playing a game. Yeah. Kind of yeah. I heard this story once before, but the ending was different. The driver said, I'm sorry. But I don't know if it's the second story or...
0: That I don't know. I saw this many, many years ago, so I don't remember. But this is what I remember. I remember the impact on me when I saw. It. It's like this; I didn't expect.
1: Think, thinking that it's very interesting because by a yid, by a tour yid, by a goy, will have a big oh. difference. A goy who, who has ego and, and wants cover and everything it can be so dangerous. But someone who, someone who's and I'm not justifying <coughs> wanting to have cover or having ego, but since we all do, when when someone, their basic foundation is Torah and Mitzvahs, and and they and they have an ego, they can still accomplish a lot of good. I know a friend of mine who I have known him since he was little, and he became a Revi, I became a rebbe, and I knew since he was little that he had to be a guy. I knew, and he said, I think, I mean,
0: the guy who brought him to good places,
1: There's no way he was not to become a rebbe. His father was a Revi. And I, I think, I don't know, he might be, he might yeah. not have any guts, but he seems like he has guts. Yeah, yeah. But I see him, I see him with little children, rubbing their cheek, and, like make, and doing all these good things, and I'm thinking, he's, he's, he's. <laughs>
0: so you know what, if somebody is a Balgaiva, and they use their Gaiva to do good things, God bless them. Yeah. Life is not about becoming the saint. Life is about identifying who you are, what's right and bringing the two together.
1: <laughs>
0: there was a yeshiva bocher who once went into the rebbe and he said I suffer from Gaiva. Do so you know what the Rebbe told him? Zost hobin midvos. I bless you, you should have what to be arrogant about. <laughs> If you're arrogant, you should have with what? Become something. Yeah. He didn't say, oh, you're a nothing. What are you arrogant about? He didn't say that. He could have said that. What are you arrogant about? It's like a joke. At this stage, this is what he needed. Okay. So now focus on self-actualization and become a great person. Is there room to grow after that? Yeah, there's room to grow. It's very important. It's never black and white, you know.
1: It? Every time I ask, it's never black and <laughs> white.
0: Can I trouble you for that? What does the mean? Wealth and covered. Yeah. What you're asking? Covered is true respect, inner respect. You respect yourself. That's what I'm asking for. Yeah. And your children respect you. Your wife respects you. It's respect. It's not covered. I walk in and. Uh, Same thing, yeah. Oysha is wealth. I want to be blessed with wealth to do good things. And I want to be blessed with respect. I want to have a respectful life. Self-respect. And and people around me. In other words, (laughs) I should live a life of dignity. You know, some people speak about their fathers and there's respect in their voice. And some people speak about their fathers and there's no respect in their voice. Sometimes you have a parent or a teacher and you respect them. You, they taught you so much. They taught you so much about life, about values. That's what you're asking for. Yeah. And they, it was who they were, who they were. So that's what you're asking for. I don't think you're asking for that when you walk into a room, everybody should jump up. Yeah. No, it means internal. Just like wealth. It could be misused, but you want, you know, COVID can also be misused but you are asking for real covered for real wealth wealth that will be used in a very good way for good things including tzedakah, etc
1: yeah the wealth i never had in
0: this life other than okay so you're ready right, right, so right, you said the the i just right. going to right that's that's why it's not a contradiction the Chazal wouldn't put in an expression. I think that's what covered means. It means inner dignity. Self respect. You should be able to respect yourself. You know, you should look at yourself and say, I can do something to respect my choices, my behaviors.
1: This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.